So this morning, I am launching, actually I'm not doing this alone, Derek and I together are launching a series that's going to cover the entire summer. We'll be in this series until mid-August. We're calling it This Is Us. I don't know if we've got any This Is Us fans in the house, but um, the reason we're calling it that is because we're going to be looking back over 20 years, and and we're going to be... celebrating, remembering uh, key moments, key events, key messages, key themes, defining moments in the life of Christ's community that have shaped who we have become. I mean, we are a community uh, of people. We are a community with a particular set of values and, and who share a common mission. But I want us to understand that this has been a journey of faith from the very beginning of becoming all that God wants us to be. And we're going to go back and look at some of those defining moments. But I want to assure you that it's not just going to be a trip down memory lane. Uh, Derek is going to be a part of this as well because each week I will bring the context of the original event or the original theme or whatever it is that we're highlighting. And we'll talk about the meaning for us at that time. And then Derek is going to come and he's going to talk about the significance of that as we look into the future and as we continue in this journey of faith. And we're going to start this morning with a message that I'm calling, we're calling, our journey of faith. Our journey of faith. Now, um, as we begin this thing, I'm reminded of where we were um, a little over 20 years ago. A little over 20 years ago, we were not yet officially a church. There were just a handful of people, 20, 30 people that were part of what we call the core group. We had been praying and listening to the Lord, trying to hear his heart and his vision for this new church that he was calling us to start. Um, at that time, like I said, there were 20 or 30 people. There were another 30 or 40 people that were kind of uh, testing the waters, trying to determine if they were going to be a part of this work. And in January of 1998, we were just five weeks out from our first public service. And on the first Sunday of January in 1998, I brought a message called The Journey of Faith. Uh, It was based on Abraham's call to leave Ur and to go to Canaan in Genesis 12. And so on that Sunday... I stood and I read from Genesis 12, 1 through 5, and these are the words that that I read. Uh, You'll probably be familiar with them, many of you. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, uh, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse whoever curses you. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because of you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, And they arrived there. They arrived there. This journey for Abraham began when the Lord came to him and called him to leave everything that was familiar to him, everything that was comfortable. There's every indication is that Abram was thriving. 
Uh, he was relatively wealthy. He lived in this great city, one of the great early cities of human civilization. He, he had everything that he needed or anything his heart desired. And the Lord called him to leave that, to leave his family, to leave his, uh, the city that he knew, to leave his work there, and to go to a place, and listen to the way the Lord said it, go and I will tell you when you get there. The Lord didn't give him a map. There was no GPS. There was no promised land brochure uh, so that the Lord could show Abram what it was going to be like when he got to Canaan. The Lord simply called Abram and Sarah to leave everything they knew and to go somewhere into the unknown with nothing more than the promise that God would make his name great and that the whole world would be blessed through him. So that's where Abram and Sarah began, was with this call uh, to follow in this journey of faith. One of the things that I want to say to us this morning is that uh, I think all of us understand that Christianity is a faith thing. We understand that Christianity is about living by faith. But, But I have a feeling that often we sometimes can relegate faith purely to the level of belief. That when we think about faith, we think about the fact that we believe in God even though we can't see him. We believe God exists even though we can't prove it scientifically. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God even though we can't prove it. We believe in heaven and eternal life even though we can't prove it. Now I want to say that that's a very important expression of faith. It's, It's a good thing. And yet, when we look at God's word, we begin to see very, very early in the earliest chapters of the Bible that faith is not just a belief thing, it is a way of life thing. Faith is meant to impact every part of our being. God doesn't just call us to live in the safety of intellectual understanding and belief. God calls us to put that belief into action and to move forward in faith. That's exactly what we see Abram doing. And the reason I brought this message in 1998 is because we were on the verge of launching a new church. We had no idea how it was going to happen, what it would look like when it did happen. It was a pure call to launch into this thing uh, that God had called us to. Uh, That faith is a call to a journey Uh, that Christianity is a call to a journey of faith becomes so clear. Uh, For me, the the, the first profound experience I had of that was when the Lord called me to be a pastor. When the Lord came to me, and, and this was an unmistakable call in my spirit, I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. It was the summer before my senior year in college. I had my life planned out before me, and it did not involve in any way vocational ministry. I was going to finish my degree. I was going to go back into business with my family. That was my plan, and I liked my plan. It was a good plan, but the Lord began to call me to be a pastor. Now, now part of my objection, and it took me months to accept this call because I was so adamant that it was just wrong, that the Lord had somehow made a huge mistake. Part of it was, was kind of righteous in a sense. I mean, part of it was, Lord, I want to serve you as a businessman. If I'm a preacher, then people are going to look at me and say, well, yeah, you're supposed to live that way. You're, you're a preacher. I wanted to live for God as a business person. 
And the Lord said to me, that is a great calling, and I've called many to live that life. But that is not my call on your life. If you want to follow me, this is what I've called you to. Now, the truth of the matter is the greater struggle was that I felt completely and totally inadequate to do what God was calling me to do. I I was terrified of speaking in front of people. In high school and in college, I never took a speech class because I couldn't see myself giving a speech in front of 10 or 12 classmates. And I'm like, Lord, and you're going to call me to preach? I mean, this just doesn't make sense to me. And I'm struggling with it. Even a year after I had shared with my family I was going to do this, I still couldn't see it. I mean, this is not over-dramatizing. It's not exaggerating. I literally could not see any way to do what God was calling me to do. And one night in my room, God came and he spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard him. And he just said these simple words. He says, I've called you to something great. If you will simply obey me, I will give you everything you need. That's all he said. All he said was, if you'll simply do what I've called you to do and trust me and abide in me, then I will give you everything you need. And it was with that simple promise that I walked still having no idea how it was going to happen into this thing called vocational ministry. Years later, Pam and I would be married and uh, we would go back to school and the Lord would begin to move in our hearts to plant a church. And again, we had never planted a church. We didn't know anybody who had planted a church. Uh, planting a church didn't seem like the, the, the best thing to do in many respects, but the Lord began to call us just as clearly as he had called me years earlier into ministry. And so we came back to Columbus uh, simply out of obedience uh, to follow the Lord and to start Christ Community Church. All along the way, it has been one story of faith after another. I can remember in those early days, um, even before we came back, and uh, we would be telling people about our, our vision for this new church. I would start to say, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And Pam would often come back at me and say, who's the we? It's you and me and Andrew. That's it. Who's this we you keep talking about? It was a call to all we had was God's promise that if you will follow my call, I'll give you everything. He didn't tell us it was going to look like this. He didn't tell us that we were going to be in a place like this. And honestly, that's not what motivated us. It was simply a matter of obeying the voice of the Lord to do what he'd called us to do. Uh, That's the life of faith. I I can remember a critical point in in our life as a congregation. It was in 2004. Our lease had run up in 2002. We, we had an agreement to stay as long as we wanted, really, but the lease was up. So we, for two years, had been looking for a new place. Well, we actually started by trying to buy the place we were in, and it became clear at some point that that was never going to happen. So we started looking, and every... I mean, Richard Stephen is sitting right over here. I couldn't help but see him. Richard and I drove all over this city looking for a future home for Christ's community. And everywhere we went, it was either too expensive or it wouldn't work or it wasn't for sale. Every door we tried to open closed. And in the, the fall, in the, the, the spring of 2004, I was in uh, California at a conference for our denomination And on the first morning I got there, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning because they're three hours behind us, right? 3.30 in the morning, I am wide awake in this hotel room. 
And I began to pray, and honestly, I was crying out to the Lord with discouragement and frustration because I'm like, Lord, we've been looking for two years, and we can't find anything. We're trying to do everything the right way. Why isn't the door opening? And I, and I sense that the Lord's response was this. If I opened a door tomorrow, you wouldn't be ready to walk through it. You have no money. You haven't prepared. I mean, let's say I did open a door for you tomorrow. What, how, would you, how would you walk through it? You've done nothing to get ready to walk through that door. And, and I immediately responded to the Lord. I said, Lord, but you don't understand. By the way, don't ever pray that prayer. <laughs> I, I, I've prayed that prayer many times in my life, and I can tell you I, I won't continue to pray it. Uh, but I did. I said, Lord, you don't understand how people work. Uh, I, I said, I, I can't go back to Christ's community and tell people we need to raise money to get ready. I mean, people need to see a piece of land. They need to see at least an artist's rendering of the building that we're going to build. People have to see something. And the Lord said, I will open the door when you get ready. And so I came back. I shared that word with our board. And I said, I feel like the Lord is just saying to get ready. And I said, I know we, don't, we hadn't found anything. We don't have a piece of land. We don't, have, you know, we don't even know what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get ready. I said, this is not a great sales pitch to our people, but this is what the Lord has said. And so we came before the congregation at that time, and, and we were probably a third the size that we are today. And we, we brought that word before the, for our people. And, and I want to tell you something. This was, this was one of those places where you, those of you who were part of that when, when this took place, where you taught me a great deal about walking by faith. Because we simply did what the Lord said. We stood before you and we said, we don't know where we're going. We don't know if it's going to be to build something new or to turn something old into something new. We have no idea where we're going. But the Lord has said that we've got to get ready. And with that simple message, with no drawings, no piece of land, uh, that small congregation gave almost $2 million in response to that simple request to get ready. And can I tell you that within months, this place came open? We had actually already looked at this place and considered putting an offering on it. And when we went to talk to them, they said, a major development company has already bought it. It's off the market. You can't have it. This was one of the places that fell through. After the campaign, we got a call that said the development company decided not to build. If you're still interested, it's yours. And by the way, you can have all the soil tests they've already run on the land. If you want those, you can have them for free. Saved us thirty dollars or $40,000 because the Lord lets somebody else do that and they give them to us. <laughs> 2010, we move here. Many of you came here from that first place. And you know what? Yeah, it was an old car dealership. It was a dump. But I'm going to tell you something. We loved that dump. Uh, we loved it. We had such precious days. Those were days where the Lord's presence was so rich because nobody came to Christ's community because it was a nice building. I mean, if you came to Christ's community, it was purely because you heard the Lord was moving and you wanted to be a part of it. Uh, there was, the Lord's presence was there, and it was comfortable. It was familiar. We knew how to do life in that old building. 
We, we thought about coming into a place like this. We thought, we don't know how we're going to do this. We, we were afraid we're going, we were going to lose our, our soul coming into a, a place like this. But we felt like the Lord was saying, I've called you. I have blessed you to be a blessing. Exactly what he said to Moses, I mean to, to Abram. I am blessing you to be a blessing. So in a sense, the Lord was saying, you can, you can sit here in this one small place and, and just enjoy this all for yourself. Or you can follow me and share it with many, many, many others who need it as well. And so as an act of faith, we came here. Two years ago, the Lord called Pam and me to a, another, uh, another place in ministry uh, to, to move into a place of oversight. So we began to, since there was going to be a transition, we love this place. We, it's comfortable. We, we know how to be a part of this community. But the Lord called us to something that's unknown that would put us in a whole new place of being able to pastor pastors and, and help encourage churches to, to be healthy and strong. At the same time, the Lord began to prepare Derek Shields to be the lead pastor of Christ's community. He was calling Derek up to a new level of faith. He's calling us up to a new level of faith. One of the things I want to say to us this morning is that we never graduate in the journey of faith. You never graduate in the journey of faith. There is always higher ground. The Lord is always calling us further in, further up. There's always higher ground. There's, there's so much in us that wants to, uh, to push back. There's, we cling to the, to the safety of the familiar. Uh, please hear me in saying this. Uh, every place where the Lord has ever called me to take a new step of faith, it was never without fear. It was never without doubts. It was never without feelings of inadequacy. Those things are always there. Faith doesn't remove all those feelings. Faith is simply the decision to do it scared, to do it uncomfortable, to do it inadequate, and to trust that God will show up. That is the journey of faith. That's the journey that, that God has called us on now for 20 years and God is calling us even further into the future as we continue to live by faith. And let me just say this in closing, and then Derek's going to come. One of the most tragic parts of this story is a part of the story that I didn't read. It actually takes place before Genesis 12. In the last two verses of Genesis 11, this is what we find. Terah, who is Abraham's father... Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, if you have any knowledge of church history or, or Bible history, you know that when we talk about the early church fathers, we always talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I want you to see here that I, I'm convinced that God's original intent was that it would be Terah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Terah did not receive the blessing because when he got to Haran, he settled there. Settling is what we do when we refuse to walk by faith. Settling is what we do when we say to the Lord, this is as far as I'm going. I won't go any further. 
This is where my faith stops here and we settle. It's in that place of settling that the journey of faith ends. And unfortunately, Terah missed the blessings of God. I want to tell you that I'm convinced that many people, that though they might not think of it quite so clearly as this, I hear people all the time that seem to say, to, to communicate the idea that if God is calling me to something, then surely it must be, it's going to be painful, horrible, and it's going to destroy my life. It's kind of the proverbial, if I surrender everything, the Lord's going to call me to be a missionary in Africa, Right? I mean, the idea there is if I really die completely to self and follow the Lord without, without reservation, it's, gonna be, it's not going to be good. But the Word of God says just the opposite. The Word of God says, if you will trust me and obey me, I will bless you in ways that you cannot imagine. I'll tell you, 30 years ago when the Lord called me to be a pastor, it was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But I'll tell you today, 30 years later, I can't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine what our life would have been like if we had chosen to go our own path as opposed to follow in the Lord's path. We would have missed you. We would have missed the opportunity to pastor you. One of the greatest blessings of our lives. But the Lord has blessed this journey of faith. We're excited about how we and you will continue it together. And would you welcome Derek Shields as he comes to lead us into the next chapter. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. You know, I'm holding in my hand a copy of the message that Keith preached on January the 4th, 1998, to Sheraton Hotel here in Columbus, Georgia. That's 1998, 20 years ago. And I, I want to, one of the, one of the um, points that was made in that message, he's already, already referenced it, but I want to go back to it, not just in its entirety, but just a portion of it. Simply said, the Christian life is characterized by God's continual call to new and higher ground. You know, I want you to see this. I mean, you've heard him talk about it, and we're looking at it on the screen, but I want you to see it. I want you to see what it looks like. 1998, about 50 people, I think, were gathered that day, maybe, maybe a little less. They were talking about, they were getting ready for the launch Sunday. I, I read through the notes, and they didn't know if it was going to be January the 8th or the 15th. They, don't know when it, they didn't know when it was going to be. It turned out it was, gonna be, it, was, it was January 22nd. But I want you to see something. Let me ask this question. If there's anybody in here that was a part of Christ Community Church when this message was preached, would you stand to your feet? Is anybody in here that was a part of Christ Community Church when that message was preached, would you stand to your feet? Now, first of all, I need you to recognize something. This is what, we, what we're looking at right now is when we obey what God would do. Because look, look at who's standing and look at who's sitting. You are here because of the, the obedience of those people and the faithfulness of God. And look what God has done 20 years later. Isn't that amazing? Now, now maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't get it. If you were not a part of Christ Community Church when that message was preached, would you stand? Maybe that's a more graphic image for you. Maybe you can see it really now. 
See, because the obedience of a group of people, a handful of people, you know, really in, in relation to two services now, a thousand people to come through here on a Sunday morning, God has added all of us to this body. In God also? Yes, yes. Now, still, I don't think you quite get it. Let me, let me, let me try it one more time another way. I don't know if you ever, think about this. God reminded me of this this very morning as I drove onto the campus. In 1998, he's talked about it, but I need you to hear it. I need you to see it. I need you to, to really get it. In 1998, when he preached that message to a handful of people in the Sheraton Hotel, none of this was imagined by anybody in attendance that day. None of the people there, to include Keith and Pam, Richard and Dee, no one had in their wildest dreams that one day they would be sitting in this place, on this location. But you know what? God knew it all the time. He knew it all the time. He was just waiting for people to step out in obedience, step in faith. We weren't even a part of it. I, you know, I'm standing here, but if I was sitting out there when I asked people to stand and was here in 1998, Andrew and I could not have stood with, the, with them. At that time, I was three years removed from retiring from the Army after 20 years' service. I was about six years away from being in Hawaii where I, I struggled with, with bouts of depression that was massive, big highs, very low lows. I never forget it. One, one, one of those seasons when I was just having one of those real bad bouts with depression, I was laying in the bed watching television, and a guy came on. His name was Les Brown. Les Brown, you might know the name. He's a motivational speaker. Short guy like me. Had a black beard like I used to be able to grow. I can't grow that black beard no more. I grow a gray one. And I remember he was talking, and he was motivating a group of people. And I was watching from my bedroom, in the bed in my bedroom, watching the television. And at the end of his talk that day, he signed off. This is Mamie Brown's baby boy. And I sat up in the bed. My mother's name is Mamie. And something happened in me. I could, I could see myself standing in front of a group of people doing what he was doing. But it didn't make sense to me then. Several years later, wasn't it, to 2005 when we came here. And God now began to clarify that picture or clarify what was happening in me on that day that I saw Les Brown on television. I thought it was going to be a motivational speaker. We retired from the military. We both got into real estate. I thought I was going to sell a bunch of real estate, begin to teach people how to sell real estate, become this great motivational speaker. But God had other plans. He used a, he used a movement called Walter Emmaus to clarify that for me. And i never forget it. It was one evening, one afternoon after Walter Emmaus. I was stand, sitting out in the parking lot, sitting on the back of a pickup truck, talking to a man named Norman Dunlap. He was here in the first service. I remember I asked him a question. Norman, how do you know when you've been called to preach? That's when it began, began to become clear to me that God had greater plans for me than I could even imagine. And that set in motion for a whole lot of things that would lead me here. You know, you say, Derek, you're talking about big things, talking about leaving all of this and being a preacher. Um, Lee Ellen and Dan talked about leaving uh, your Olympic career and, and a career in the military to start this ministry that they talk about. Keith talking about, but you know, for us, for you, for you, it might be something simple. I, I want to I I ask you, how would you fill in these blanks? 
These blanks simply looks like this. I think God may be calling me to blank, but I'm holding back because blank. You know, two years ago, Keith mentioned earlier when God began to tell them clearly, he and Pam, that they, he had another assignment for them. God began to, you know, put in my spirit, you know, possibility of me being a lead pastor of Christ Community Church. But I held back. I held back because I didn't think I had what it took. I held back because I didn't think some of you would accept me. I held back. I held back for a while. What are you holding back on? It might not be that big. Maybe, maybe God is saying to you, you know, I, I, I need you to give of your time. I just need you to pray for people. Serve somebody. Build some relationships. Share the gospel with people. And you're saying, you know, I, I know God, I, I feel you calling me to do that, but I'm holding back. I'm holding back because I don't think I have anything to say. I don't think my testimony is that great. I don't think I, don't think I could really know how to pray for somebody. Or he might be saying, listen, listen, I, I, want you to, I want you to lead an event. I want you to, I want you to lead a community group. We've got all these people. You saw all these people standing up. All these people standing up. And I need you to lead a community group so people will be able to connect with each other. And you're saying, I... I, I feel God may be calling me to do that, but I'm holding back because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think my house is clean enough. I don't think, um, we, we, I don't think people would really like to come into my house. Maybe he's saying to you, I, you heard that testimony earlier, Enoch Ministries. When you heard about it, something shifted in your spirit. Something said, wow. That's something I want to be a part of. And he's saying to you, I want you to give. I want you to, I want you to give to that. I feel God calling me to do it, but I'm holding back. Because if I give to them, will I have enough for myself? Or, or he might be just simply saying, look, you go to lunch today, and you look across the restaurant, and God could just lay in your heart, I want you to buy them lunch today. And you feel it, God calling you to do it. And you say something like, um, they may think I'm weird. Or if I buy them lunch, I mean, this is kind of crazy stuff go through our head. Will I, have, will I have enough for lunch tomorrow? What is he calling you to? What is he asking you to do? What has he been asking you to do, but you consistently say, I'm holding back because. To finish that, 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 that little line that we had, that quote that we had earlier, the Christian life is characterized by God's continual call to new and higher ground which cannot be reached apart from faith. See, that's what closes the gap. When you can't fill in the first line because you are too afraid of the second line, that's an indication that we have a lack of Faith, and faith is what's going to close the gap. Do y'all follow what I'm saying? Faith is what's going to close the gap. Don't believe me? Let me show you. Go to Hebrews. He mentioned Hebrews. Hebrews 11. 
This was written thousands of years after Abram took those steps of faith. Thousands of years after he went where God told him to just take off and launch out. Didn't tell him where it was going, but told him to just go. I, I couldn't help but we, we, were talk, we were meditating on the scripture Thursday, and I went out to the map. There's a map out there. You know where our missionaries are? I went out to that map. God kind of just said, go out there and look at that. And I began to look at the areas, you know, where he left from. Ur to, to Haran, and then over to, over, to, over to Canaan and down to Egypt. And when you look at that map, it's all concentrated, concentrated in a little small area of the world. That was the world. That was all the place where, where Christians were, were. But you know what? What's happened now? It's exploded. And by the time, by the time the writer of Hebrews wrote these words, the gospel has spread all around. Look what it says. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. Listen to those words now. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. See, it takes faith. That's what we're missing. Sometimes we're missing. We just need to step out on faith. Two years ago, I was struggling God, God really began to put, in, put the possibility in my mind that, yeah, Derek, you could be the lead pastor of Christ Community Church. And I, I, I couldn't dare say that to anybody. I couldn't dare say it. But you know what? When I finally, when I finally decided, you know what? God is calling me and I took that step of faith. Guess what? Folks affirm that. And look at, and you might be saying, yeah. I'm around here and I like this place and I want to connect and I feel called to connect, but I'm holding back because I don't know about that lead pastor they're talking about. I've never had an African-American lead pastor before, but guess what? I've never had a majority white congregation before. So, so you and I both, depending on God, we both are, you, you see what I'm saying? We both got to depend on him. He, if he's calling you here, he's not calling you to me. He's calling you to him, just like he's calling me to him. And if we both would stay focused on him, he's going to do far more exceedingly abundantly than we ever could imagine right here amongst us in this city. See, one of the things that he talked about on, on, on January of, of, of 1998 in that message, Keith, Keith challenged the congregation. I've got the notes. He said the reason why this is so important is because God will bless us. He will bless us how? Because we can expect to see people saved. We can expect to see people healed and set free from bondage. We can expect to see people grow in maturity. We can expect to see broken families and broken relationships reconciled. We can expect individually to experience all the blessings that come as a result of being a part of a healthy community of faith. And we can still expect that. And there's people outside these walls, people that we know, people that don't know us, that need to hear it, that can expect that we can expect the same thing to be true for them. That's what God is up to. What is it? 
What is it? Go back, go back to those blanks again. Those blanks, those blanks are real powerful. What is it? What do, you, what, is, what do you think God, what do you know God is calling you to that you're holding back? I want to do something a little different. We don't do this a lot, if at all, I don't know. But because of our partners, Truth, the Truth radio station, there's going to be somebody listening to this very message at 1 o'clock in the morning. And you know what I want to say? You know what we want to say to them? You felt God calling you to connect with a church. It might not be this church, but you felt God calling you to give your life to him. And you've been holding back because you say those people are hypocritical. You say those people, you know, they, you've been hurt by them before. And what we want to say to you, we, we, me speaking and all these people gathered here, what we want to speak to you right now is that if you would just surrender and be obedient, God would do some rich and great things in your life. Faith is believing in the invisible reality of God's word over the visible world that we can see and touch and hear. There's this, there's this interaction between God's word that we read and that we hear, that we sense in our spirit, and the world that we can see and touch and hear. What would it look like for you to exercise faith in the situation you feel God is calling you to? What would it look like for you What would it look like for you to exercise faith in the situation you feel God is calling you to? What would it look like if you would take a step of faith and admit to some brother or some sister, I've got a problem and I've been trying to fix it on my own far too long. What would it look like if you would exercise faith and just say to somebody, my marriage is about, it's just, it's just bad. And we've, been, we've had a face on like it's all, all, all right, but we need help. What would it look like if you were to do that? Those that's praying, please come to the front. Because I want to ask you a question. You know, this is a time when we do a response. And this morning, I, I, you know, just like at the first service, I feel that God wants to really challenge us on this. Because as we've been going through this message, I'm quite sure the Holy Spirit has been really nudging you, really challenging you. And in a minute, I'm going to ask everyone to stand, but this is what I want us to do this morning. If there's something, go back to those two, go back to those two, those two blanks. If there's something, if there's something that God has been calling you to, but you've been holding back on, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask you to just come out, of the, come out of those seats and come down the aisle and take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. You might not need to come to an individual, or you might need to, you might just need to come to the altar. 
And so, Lord, I've been holding back far too long. And today, I'm going to step out in faith on what you've been calling me to for so long. For some of you, it may be that this afternoon, You've been, you've been hanging around here for a while. I've already addressed the big elephant in the room. You know, you, you've been holding back because you say, man, they got that guy going to be the pastor. I don't know if I could connect with that. But you know, you know God is calling you to connect with this church because he wants to do something with you and through you in this body of believers. And you've been holding back. And today is the day that you might say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give in. And I'm going to connect. Will you stand? And as, as the worship team leads us in worship, I want to call you. I want to call you to take a step of faith. Don't hesitate. Don't let anybody stop you. Don't, don't let the enemy discourage you. Step forward. Step forward. Somebody here may, have all, may know that today they need to give their life to Christ. You've been holding back far too long. You know that's what you need to do. But you've had doubts. You've got questions. Guess what? Come on with your doubts. Come on with your questions. He can handle all of that. Let's worship God.